Hello and welcome to Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. This week, we did not hit her. We did not. This is The Room. Thank you for listening to Bit Party. My name is Brendan Cotta. My name is Jared Cotta. I'm Marshall Cotta. And I'm Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, welcome to the show, Connor. Thank you. Uh, It's nice to be here. We're excited to have you. Brendan, I want you to introduce Connor because there's no context to this. Unlike our other guest, he's not sitting in our apartment and we didn't meet him at Run Club. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Connor is uh, my very good friend from San Diego, slash uh, we were roommates for a time in our debaucherous uh, college days. True. And um, we've known each other for a long time. We met uh, playing middle school lacrosse and have been friends ever since. That is so cute. (laughs) That that should be the movie we pitched today. (laughs) Connor, we want to know a little bit more about you. I don't know as much about you as as i'm sure brendan does but where where are you living now because you're not living in san diego a couple of years ago i moved up to the pacific northwest i was living in tacoma for a little bit um and now i live in seattle so i've been living in seattle for about a year and a half now and it's definitely a lot different but i love it it's super cool um Nice. Is is Seattle different from San Diego or different from Tacoma or both? Definitely more different to San Diego. I thought it was going to be I thought Seattle was going to be like a big city, but it's significantly smaller than San Diego, which is kind of surprising. Really? Yeah, that surprises me. Yeah, I would not have known that. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the big city in that state. It is. And oh. <laughs> but like it's just smaller. I don't know. I just I just didn't realize how big San Diego is, but For yeah, sure. it's still like a big city, but it's just not as big. What do you do in Seattle? Uh, I teach at an aerospace museum. It's called the Museum of Flight, so I'm an educator there. Uh, I really don't have that much like vested interest in aviation and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I do like space a lot. <laughs> they know that you have years of Air Force experience. So totally. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, I, I put on my aviator sunglasses. I, I light a cigarette and I say, shut up, kid. Uh, that's flight. That's, yep. That's all about confidence. Away. It really is. Are you still making any music up in, up in Seattle? Because that was a big part of, uh, of what you did in San Diego, it seemed like. Like, you're a very talented uh, musician and artist. Wow, thank you. I still play, for sure. I still have friends that I play with and stuff. I haven't been able to organize anything really significant or, like, actually organized. But I still play, for sure. It's mostly just for fun. What genre of music are you uh, into? Uh, I'm really into psych rock and any psychedelic music, whether it's, like, electronic or whatever. You've moved away from your uh, your bluegrass roots. Yeah. For the time being. Yeah, that was that was uh, just a period. Mm-hmm.
Yes. We watched... We unfortunately watched your favorite movie. <laughs> uh. You put us through this nightmare. Will you please introduce the movie that you made us watch? Yeah. So um, the movie that I made everyone watch uh, against their will was <laughs> The Room by uh, Tommy Wiseau, a directed, written, and starring, of course, the man, the myth, Tommy. <laughs> my, my boy. <laughs> you must be kidding, aren't you? The Room, I, I think everybody sort of remembers the first time that they watched The Room yeah. because it has earned such a high level of cult classicness. Yeah, classicity. But it, it really is terrible. It's so bad. It's especially bad because we have to, like, don't get me wrong, this is such a fun movie. But it's hard when you have to watch it the same way you watch something like The Dark Knight to do an episode of a podcast <laughs> on it. Oh, it was like absorbing all of this nonsense. <laughs> it was actively pushing things out of my brain. <laughs> Connor, what, Connor, what makes this your your in quotes favorite movie? Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. It just kind of has this element of otherworldliness that I think few movies have kind of really captured. It it has this strange fever dream like quality where like nothing makes sense like the heaviest lines are just dropped with like no conviction <laughs> the conversations just kind of trail off into oblivion where they never come back and i don't know i just i feel like it's really the writing is really uniquely bad like it's easy to write a bad movie Sure. But I feel like it's hard to write a movie so bad that it's good. That's a really Fair. good point. I, I really liked what you said about uh, it being kind of otherworldly. Because early on, the way I saw all of Tommy's scenes was like, this seems like an alien making a clip show to prove that he's human. Yeah. It's like, look <laughs> at me, interact with the youth and play with the sports egg. Right. <laughs> I liked how you described it as a fever dream because I threw up right after. <laughs> Marshall, Marshall, was this your first time seeing this film? This was my first exposure to this film. Yeah. What did you think about it? It was amazing. Um, yeah. oh, oh, man, it was weird. Plenty of times where I was uncomfortable watching this film. But I'm glad I'm glad I watched it just to say that I've seen this movie. I feel like it's the same with a lot of cult films where it's one of those things that you have to see. Yeah, you just have to watch it. I don't know if I would say that the rewatchability is extremely high, but <laughs> I really do appreciate the fact that Connor brought this to Bit Party because we are always trying to do these like compelling, important films, and yeah. this is like so bad that it's good, uh, and and everybody should still see it. Uh, and that's really the objective that we have when we pick the movies is you want the reaction to be, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. And <laughs> yeah, this, yeah is a perfect, this is a perfect example, regardless of what quality it is. I don't want the audience to think that your taste is really that bad, Connor. So I think that what we're going to go into next is the things that you're watching besides The Room. So this is the part where we tell the audience some of the other stuff that we're getting into lately. And, and I'll go first just to give you an example. I have, and it feels very disrespectful that I had never seen this series before, but I am watching Seinfeld right now, just in time for the 30-year anniversary. 
And I had never really watched it through, despite being a Jewish man in America. Wow. I know, it's very disrespectful to yeah. people. But obviously, it's an awesome show. Some of the episodes have not aged as well as others. <laughs> Brendan, you always point out the, the gay scares oh, yeah. episodes, <laughs> where they're concerned that if he gets massaged by a man, <laughs> then it makes him gay. <laughs> Yeah. Those yeah. those don't age quite as well as some of the other episodes, but no. in general, it's an excellent series. Then let me ask Brendan, what have you been watching lately? I've been watching the FX show Taboo. Okay. Which is uh, produced by and starring Mr. Tom Hardy. Ooh. The way that Taboo got made was the creator of Peaky Blinders agreed to write Taboo if Tom Hardy agreed to appear on Peaky Blinders. Nice. And so it's perfect for Thomas Hardy because he gets to play this big tough guy role in two incredible shows. Mm -hmm. And he does it so well. Mm -hmm. Marshall, what are, what are you watching? I just finished Stranger Things 3. Oh, nice. Oh, awesome. How do you like it compared to the other seasons? It seemed like they were running a little bit short on some material um, at the beginning. But I feel like they really picked it up near the end of the season. Uh, I think mm. they wrapped it up, or didn't wrap it up really nicely, so that opens up for another season, which hopefully um, they can they can come up with, with new wacky adventures for the kids to go on. <laughs> Connor. Yes. What are you, what are you watching? <laughs> so I am watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's a pretty famous anime. I've oh, seen nice. it once before, but I'm rewatching it because it was added to Netflix recently. Is it a alien is it a big robot is it yeah yeah um it's a big robot one but it's kind That's... of a deconstruction of the big robot genre it's very self-aware with anime tropes and it kind of takes those ideas and kind of flips them on their head it's like a christian themed show it's kind of like the idea of here in the u.s asian quote asian shit like themed shows are pretty popular even though we don't really know anything about the actual origin of eastern mythology and stuff and it kind mm -hmm. of is the same thing over there where they just kind of take christian words and themes and they kind of just cobble them together to make this crazy robot show it's very oh, strange okay. as, a, as a westerner yeah. to watch it's like one yeah. of the animes that if you were to Google, like, I don't watch anime, but I want to start. What should I watch? That would be one of them, along with probably really? like One Punch Man and like Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, that's, that's awesome. A lot of people catching up on some uh, very interesting pop culture. And yeah, keep it up. Keep yeah. It up, bit partners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let me let me unfortunately get to this plot. Let's try to unravel this. Let me try and unwrap <laughs> this box of color and light. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go quick through the plot because I want to I want to hear the pitches because I have a feeling that we are going to be pitching some real winners for this movie. Despite the the weird nature of this film, there were some great bit part characters for our purposes. Yeah, that they just throw at you with no context. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Johnny is our main character. He's played by Tommy Wiseau, the, the producer, director, etc. He's a successful banker living in San Francisco with his fiance Lisa. <laughs> they never use the word fiance. Future no, wife. It's called future wife. Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. Future <laughs> wife. Brennan, in the first twenty minutes, there's what five sex scenes? Four yeah, sex scenes? something like yeah, gratuitous mm -hmm. sex scenes. Mm -hmm. And even though their relationship seems pretty 
amorous. Lisa is dissatisfied with their relationship. I can't talk right now. Why, Lisa? Why, Lisa? Please talk to me, please! So what she goes about doing and what the majority of the film is about is her seducing Johnny's best friend, Mark. And at first, Mark tries very hard to resist her advances <laughs> uh, before, unfortunately, falling for this seductress. Yeah. And the other characters in the film are either trying to comfort Johnny as he's suspecting Lisa uh, or trying to ignore the signs that Lisa is, is leaving him. Or they're trying to convince Lisa that Johnny has a lot of money and he will provide for her and she is not worth any money and she doesn't <laughs> have any real skills. So she needs to stay with Johnny. The role of every character in this movie besides Johnny and Lisa is to show the audience just how cool Johnny is. Exactly. <laughs> and to show how generous he is. And yeah, that's yeah. where we're introduced to some of the other characters such as Denny who is like this Oliver Twist type character <laughs> that, uh, that Johnny has taken in. And he purchased an apartment for him in the same building. They all live in the same building. The whole friends, all the groups of friends live there. Denny is, is kind of a creepy kid. And then there's also Peter, who is the psychologist that's friends with Mark and Johnny. And there's a, there's a whole grab bag of other uh, strange and wacky characters, yeah. uh, including Chris R., who's some drug dealer that Denny's in, uh, in trouble with. And Anyways, the, the, the culmination of the conflict, which is that Johnny will eventually find out that Lisa is having an affair with Mark, is at a surprise party for Johnny. And this is when one of his friends sees Lisa kissing Mark. And then the party kind of breaks down and there's a fight between Johnny and Mark after Lisa has been uh, kind of flaunting the fact that she is seeing Mark in front of everybody. You keep your girl satisfied, you will come to me. You betray me, you're not good, you, you're just a chicken. Chip, 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 chip. Lisa goes off on him, tells him all these things about uh, how much she doesn't love him and that she'd rather be with anybody else and uh, just shows the, the true nature of her character. Yeah. Johnny is, is upset, obviously, because it's, everything about his life has broken down. His, his future wife has left him. <laughs> he didn't get a promotion at the bank. He didn't get a promotion <laughs> at his job at bank. Client <laughs> <Bank>. is unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> I really put all my ideas into effect. Mark, Mark was his best friend. He has betrayed him. Everyone has betrayed him. Why is this happening to me? Why? It's over. Johnny has nobody, so the end of this tragedy is Johnny sticking a gun in his mouth, pulling the trigger, and then the last few scenes is everybody collecting around the body, and we, we show the that he was loved by everyone. Yeah. Uh, and then you think that Lisa is going to end up with Mark, but Mark realizes the error of his ways and he dismisses her as well and the world kind of comes crashing down on Lisa uh, and of course unfortunately our, our hero has died yeah and that's it you sum that up perfectly thank you you're lying I never hit you you are tearing me apart Lisa that's what's covered in the 99 minutes yeah that movie. takes that took 99 minutes I think part of what makes this a pretty exhausting movie to to watch all the way through 
is that the plot never progresses and they have the same, like the characters have the same conversations over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like interacting with your super drunk friend where it's like for the first 30 minutes, it's kind of funny, but then when they can't hold anything in their head and they just keep talking about like going to get waffles, it's like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Except usually for the first 30 minutes, they aren't having sex. Unlike in this movie, (laughs) where it's literally the first 30 minutes. Having the most uncomfortable sex scenes. Uh, uh. I would. <laughs> there are so many awesome scenes. Like Connor was saying, this twisted representation of all of these events. And then there's the football scene where they like don't know how to play football. Yeah. They're dressed in tuxedos. <laughs> this is a, a quintessential cult classic movie. And we haven't done too many cult films on this podcast yet. So I was actually wondering, besides this one, what are our other favorite cult films? I would say that mine is one of the most classic ones, uh, The Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. That's a really good you know, one. That, that is like one of the most classic cult movies. Just the like campy horror, similar to this movie where things are, are like really upsetting. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Evil Dead is, is campy on purpose and like funny on purpose so that that's i would say the big difference but that's still one of my favorites right i love it yeah that's a really good one i would say my favorite is probably the first one i watched that kind of introduced me to the genre which is ed wood's plan nine from outer space oh nice yeah it's it's similar to this movie where it's uh it's said to be one of the worst movies of all time just Mm -hmm. because the director was so incompetent it's not, I would say, as exciting to watch or, like, consistently funny as this one. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's a good starting place for someone interested in movies that, like Connor said, are, are so bad that they're good. So That's check true. that out and check out Tim Burton's movie uh, about Ed Wood, the director. Mm-hmm. Connor, what would you say is your favorite uh, cult film besides this one? Um, that's a good question. I do really like Donnie Darko. Uh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. another classic. Yeah, it's also in this weird early 2000s era, like The Room. But obviously, I actually think Donnie Darko is a good movie. Uh, yeah, definitely. The Room. <laughs> I just like how it's also pretty su- surreal and otherworldly, but, you know, it's pretty aware of its science fiction. Yeah, it's like on purpose. Yeah, unlike The Room where it's science fiction on accident. <laughs> but um, That's a hard yeah. genre to pull off. <laughs> Accidental science fiction, yeah. Definitely. And uh, uh, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah. acting together is That's true. very well. Marshall, what is your uh, favorite cult film? So I I feel like I've seen a few now. Uh, we have this one is in the bag, and uh, Rocky Horror is a great one too. The Rocky oh, Horror yeah. Show, love that's a that great one. one. Yes. Yeah, that's another one of the most classic cult movies where you have the midnight showings. I think that that is a true statement of uh, a film that has reached that level. When yeah. you have groups of fans that are willing to get together and and watch it in a in a theater yeah and yeah. act out portions of it that that's yeah. sort of an indication that you've reached that stature and i think that that has an important trait of uh cult classic movies that have reached popularity is what keeps them cult is that people who watch it either love it or absolutely hate it and never want to see it again <laughs> yeah that's true yeah correct super polarizing yeah exactly oh yes i like that that sort of gets to something that i found which is that the ratings for the room uh-huh. across the major film websites yeah they t- they seem to take it very seriously <laughs> like imdb is at like a 3.7 out of 10 and rotten tomatoes has it at 26 percent it's like <laughs> yeah, we know we know it's bad <laughs> no kidding. We get it. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> One of the things that I really liked watching this movie through this time was that each time Lisa starts to seduce Mark, no matter how forward she is, he always says, wait, what's going on? <laughs> 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 Which leads me to assume that Mark's just a fucking idiot. <laughs> Gets to some top quality writing. Yeah. Connor, do you, have a, do you have a favorite moment in this film? There's so many moments that make me crack up just from the absurdity. <laughs> and I always tend to like the the parts in this movie that come out of left field. So, I mean, obviously there's the classic, I have breast cancer line. Oh uh, yeah. That's great. That along with when Mark and Johnny are in the cafe and Johnny is just like, so how's your sex life? It's It's just like these conversations that are trying so hard to be natural and are just like, so not natural (laughs) nobody wants to help me and i'm dying you're not dying mom i got the results of the test back i definitely have breast cancer i do really like the the breast cancer part because it's never brought up again but she always comes in complaining of some like health (laughs) concern oh i love it marshall do you have a, a favorite part this was your first watch through yes i was really happy because when i opened imdb um, this was one of the trivia things that came up because apparently it took Tommy Wiseau 32 takes to say, I did not hit her. <laughs> it's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, I hi, did, Mark. I did not. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I believe it's time to build a a better movie, or at least a as-good movie. Tommy has given us a gift in this film, and the gift is of fantastic bit part characters that have little to no other information about them or character traits, (laughs) which is sort of like our blank canvas. Yeah, yeah. All we know is how they feel about Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or some little tiny tidbit that appears at the surface level, which is all we really need to spin off into a uh, completely insane second film (laughs) a film that exists in the same universe doesn't have to necessarily be a continuation or a uh, or a prequel to the room but has at least one bit part character that has stolen our hearts yeah and each of us have provided the character that we love and we'll give a little pitch connor i know this is your first time on bit party this is just a, a a short pitch see if we like it the elevator pitch if you will and then we'll, we'll vote to see which one we want to spin off into a full film. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. I think that it would be wise if I did it first. And then uh, Connor can see how, how it goes. And, yeah. Um, well, and Marshall can like, figure out how to... like. Marshall knows how to pitch movies. <laughs> <laughs> My bit part character is Denny. Denny is the young college student that... Tommy has sort of adopted, and Tommy is paying for Denny's tuition yeah. to college. Right. But at the end, Tommy kills himself. And unless Tommy has all of his affairs in order, then there's a good chance that that college tuition money is running out. Yeah. Yeah. And I want it to be very artsy, the same way that this film is very artistic. A passion project. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make a silent film in which we watch 
the tragedy unfold after Tommy's death, what happens to Denny? Interesting. Loses his home. Yeah. Drops out of college. It's yeah. just a tragedy, and we see that violence only creates more violence. <laughs> yeah. In which the last scene will be Denny contemplating suicide himself. Yeah. It'll be a touching and, and, and mysterious moment. But like I said, I want to reiterate, silent film. Silent film, yeah. Not even mm. a score. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Oh, man. Whoa. Completely silent. Except for a ticking clock in the background. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's very artsy. That'd be good. It'd be a fun exploration on the ripple effect that uh, Johnny's character had. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. There you go. That sounds great. That's the level of film I'm trying to get out of you all today. <laughs> okay. Brendan, do you want to pitch your film? Sure, I'll go next. The, one of the characters that I really liked was Chris R. Chris R. appears in one scene in which uh, we find out that Denny has gotten involved uh, in drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Chris R. comes on and shouts at Denny that he needs his money before being thrown out of the apartment building by, by Johnny and Mark. My money, Denny. Where's my fucking money, Denny? Did you lose my fucking money? One of the cool things about Chris R.'s character is that he's acting so hard in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My movie would be kind of like a, a, a comedy similar to the, the HBO show Barry, mm-hmm. in which this hardened drug criminal wants to get out of that life and break into the acting world. So he's mm-hmm. like taking acting classes and still has to do some drug dealer things. And maybe the money that he wants from Denny is what he needs to continue on and finish his acting class. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Chris R. is a great character. Thank you. Thank you. I think he is arguably the best actor in this movie. And <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Marshall, yes. do you have a bit part? I do. My bit part is Peter, which is one of Johnny's friends, and he's kind of there to play therapist. So my movie pitch is, mind you, not a very good movie pitch because I was taking in all the gloriousness of this movie while also trying (laughs) to make a movie of my own. But I was thinking that we kind of make Peter a therapist for the entire like uh, apartment building. And uh, so he's got, you know, like a, like a sign on his door that says the doctor's in the doctor's out. And uh, this kind of helps people with, with what's going on in their lives. It's not very fleshed out. I don't even know if we're going to choose it to flesh it out. That's that's what I got. Well, I, I think like that you picked up on a good character. And yeah. Peter is also the one that's wearing the tuxedo and he falls. Yes. Football. Yeah. Right. You know, that's an important scene because the, that was the, the most interesting camera angle they could think of. Like <laughs> close up on Peter's face as the rest of the guys crowd around him. Oh, man. <laughs> and that's uh, that 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 scene makes no sense. No. There's literally no <laughs> right. point to them playing football in tuxedos. OK, Connor. Yes. Hit us. Okay. The character that really spoke to me on a personal level was the flower shop worker. Johnny is going in to buy uh, a dozen red roses, please. And (laughs) she doesn't recognize Johnny um, (laughs) because he's wearing sunglasses, you know, classic. And there's a dog on the counter, and before Johnny gets the roses, he pets the dog. And I imagine that this flower shop lady is actually a really competitive dog breeder. And she makes all of her actual money breeding dogs, um, and she's kind of obsessed with dogs. And this dog that is on the counter is kind of her last 
hope to try and win big in a dog show. The moment that Tommy, or sorry, Johnny, touches the dog, uh, it totally ruins the dog's coat. Uh, it probably even makes the dog sterile. So it uh, ruins her entire life. And then she has to try and win it big on this dog that uh, Johnny broke. <laughs> he has to go on a crazy adventure to try and make it work still, make her life yeah. that's in shambles work. Interesting. So, I like that jo- Tommy Wiseau has this necrotic effect on yeah. anything he touches. His superpower yeah. is it become <laughs> sterile. Become sterile. <laughs> Just gets his filth on it. <laughs> that's that's very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's really that's imaginative. A- I like that flower shop character. I considered her for uh, my bit part as well. I really thought that that was one of the best scenes when he goes, oh, hi, doggy. Yeah. Oh, hi, doggy. (laughs) You're my favorite customer. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. This might be a little predictable for our audience, but I really feel like I want to go with the guest pitch. And, And let me tell you another component that I want. Because this character is such a blank canvas like we were talking about, it could open up to a lot of additional cult film tropes. Mm -hmm. If we pick this film, I see her going on this road trip to get to this dog show and encountering a lot of things that we see in other popular cult movies. Dual personalities, a la Fight Club, or lots of drug trips, a la fear and loathing in las vegas the road trip or the the journey aspect of it could maybe be really fun i agree i like turning this movie uh into a a cult classic yeah yes and i think that the best potential for that is is connor's flower shop lady movie connor would you be uh interested in taking on the challenge of pitching your film to hollywood (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I like the idea of adding random things from cult movies that kind of are famous from cult movies into this movie, kind of like a best of uh, yeah cult movie. Ooh, that's extreme. good. That's good. Yeah, if we could turn like yeah this into an algorithm, what would it right. produce? Exactly. Oh, I like that. If a machine had in had watched every cult movie, <laughs> this is the film it would write. <laughs> It would right. vomit out. This is what the AI would create. Exactly. Shortly before deleting its programming. Yeah. And then immediately crashes its motherboard. Self-destruct. All right, let's do it then. Okay. Too many weirdos there. I, I don't mind. Connor, thank you for pitching us a, a gem. And again, for bringing the room into the Bit Party universe. We want to go with your film because it has such a high potential. Set the scene for me as this film opens up. Okay, yeah. I think it would be good to kind of start the film right after Johnny has kind of uh, sterilized this poor pug. (laughs) So, uh, you know, Johnny gets his flowers and he walks out of the flower shop. uh, And then we're left with uh, the lady behind the counter. Um, I think she should maybe pull out some sort of fancy dog scanning tablet. I'm imagining like an iPad. Uh, And then she scans the dog like a QR code. Um, And after taking the reading, she discovers that her dog is in fact sterile. Um, She's already good friends with Johnny. So uh, she already knew that he had that power because he actually used that on her earlier. (laughs) (laughs) 
he's like he's like the angel of death basically (laughs) after that she realizes that this she can't breed this dog anymore uh and this dog was kind of her you know her golden goose she was going to breed this dog uh to create just like the ultimate dog show dog in the future but now her dog is sterile um so she has to try and use this dog to win it big uh in a dog show um that is very very far away so this i guess the room takes place in san francisco so i suppose the dog show could take place in uh cheyenne wyoming <laughs> okay that's good i was i was thinking it could take place in el paso at the alamo a la peewee's big adventure <laughs> yeah there i think you have a good point it should probably be somewhere like a an icon or famous because that does seem very kind of cult movie-esque yeah. like somewhere famous uh, somewhere they could throw up on a green screen right exactly <laughs> and we would be like oh the alamo <laughs> right. Look, the dog shows inside the alamo uh she has to go there um, and she has to enter her dog in the dog show. And, you know, there's a ton of misadventures on the way. I think there should be some, like, serious tonal shifts as well. You know, like, sometimes it's more of, like, a buddy movie kind of feel with her and the dog. But then maybe at some <laughs> point during the movie, she uncovers, like, a government plot to make everyone uh-huh. sterile using uh, <laughs> superpower. That's brilliant. That that flip flopping back and forth in, in tones is 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 perfect for for a cult film. Yeah, um, you know. But before we we go on and talk maybe about some of her misadventures, who do you think should play the flower shop lady? Because uh, we like to cast our our films a little bit earlier now, so that the audience can get an idea of who's who's going to be uh, the star of the film. So what what do you, who do you think would actually play this character? Uh, that's a good question. The first thing that came to my mind was Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, <laughs> I think I think she would fit fit in pretty nicely. Uh, she at least looks like the flower lady. That's true. Uh, but if we're going for more of a cult feel, uh, there might be there might be a better choice. I, I was thinking um, someone like Melissa McCarthy who's recently got some fame in a, a dramatic, challenging role uh, starring in Can, Could You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, that's, a good, that's a good idea, Brendan, because she does have the, the comedy and the, the drama yes. in, her, in her resume. Uh, what do you think about that, Connor? I think that's a great choice. I think Melissa McCarthy would be really good. I think she could probably bring something to the table. Yeah, uh, we, we don't want to we don't want to scrimp on the cast just because it's in the universe of the room. <laughs> That's true. We don't have to, so we should. Yeah, yeah. Rosie O'Donnell's sort of a bargain bin <laughs> actress, I would say. And we're going to pitch this to Disney, so yeah. it's good. It's going to be in this yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> I, I think that as she gets into her her car uh, and and the car will be the the convertible from fear and loathing oh i like and, that and she starts taking a bunch of drugs because she she's feeling some sort of way about losing her prize uh dog the golden goose as you say connor so she's going to be on these fun acid trips yeah. and and that's when she uncovers the plot of the of the US government i think that they're they should be moving the the virus that they're using to infect the the population through zombies. Mm, yes, interesting. That, like kind it, of like <laughs> those will be sort of like uh, like in the Evil Dead 
films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. And I think that the um, the people moving the actual drug should look very devious to the point where you don't know if she's just seeing things mm-hmm. like them yeah. and the zombies or if it's actually what's going on. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I like yeah. that. That's, Unsure that's of what's reality. And, yeah. I, and I think along the way she should meet a a friend that that also helps her go through the uh, these these trials and tribulations. And at the end, of course, it will be revealed that the friend was just a figment of her imagination the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Just like Tyler Durden. Yeah, that's right. But who do you think should play that friend? I was thinking it should be, and I think it would be funny if it was like Benedict Wong who is yeah. uh, from the, the Marvel Universe, he, he would be funny because then it would be like, that's your alter ego. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> this older Asian man. Yeah. Deep down, that's who Melissa McCarthy is. W- what do you think about that, Brent? <laughs> I actually like that a lot. I was, I was going to pitch uh, Ali Wong as like a, um, just a, a good friend of hers, maybe the friend that introduces her to drugs now that she can't uh, breed this dog. But I think if we're looking for an alter ego... I've never looked at Melissa McCarthy and not thought older Asian Benedict Wong. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, that's that's a tough decision. Uh, I think they're both they both would be good. Yeah, yeah, they could both fit in. One's just real and one isn't. Connor, do you think that we could have both of those actors in the film? Yeah, I like the idea of maybe Ali Wong being the drug dealer and then Benedict being more of the alter ego. I, I imagine that Melissa McCarthy's character. Uh, has probably used a lot of drugs in her time, and maybe she's looking for, like, that next, like, super drug, like in uh, Fear and Loathing, where they get the stuff mm-hmm. from the human spinal cord or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, maybe, like, Ali Wong could, like, provide her with some, like, crazy drug that, like, really messes with her reality, which kind of sets the stage for that whole conspiracy theory as well. I love it. And I, I like that, like, Melissa McCarthy has this background, but maybe she got out of it because you can't mix drugs in the, the competitive dog show circuit. But this is her last hurrah. She's going to yeah. take all the drugs. Yeah, yeah for sure. Might as well. <laughs> well, we have, we have the conflict sort of set up. That, that's an easy one. It's her drug-fueled road trip to El Paso. And uh, when she finally gets to El Paso, I think that that's sort of the culmination of the, of the conflict, which is... Now she's registered in this dog show. Yeah. And this is her chance. Connor, do you think that she ends up on top? Or do you think that it all goes to shit, but she learns something? Good question. I think it all goes to shit. But I think that she definitely learned something. I also have a feeling that maybe her soul uh, escapes her and enters the dog. Oh, that's brilliant. At the end. So, like, it looks like she dies and everyone thinks she dies. But you can, like, see her soul being put into the dog. And then the dog, like, winks and runs away, you know? And that's that's the end? Yeah, that's, like, the very, very end. (laughs) Her her soul leaves her body so that it can live out its (laughs) its existence in a very old pug. (laughs) Yeah. And the pug maybe, like, bites the crusty old judge. (laughs) Yeah, something. Or, like, runs away and, like, starts driving the car away or something. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, that's this sounds like the tone for a cult movie, so yeah. I, I'm not going to yeah. argue it. <laughs> I think that as, as the pug is driving the car away and it pulls out a little bit, Benedict Wong is still sitting in the car with the pug. 
Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That and might it, be good. Yeah, I I think that's great. Uh, a scene that I think, like you said, how she's gonna she's gonna lose, like absolutely lose the dog competition. But I think it'd be funny if she burst in just in the nick of time with this like dusty, tired old pug that's been like traveling in this convertible with her the whole time. Like, I'd like to enter this, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing that we really need to do is cast the king of Hollywood, Jeff Goldblum. Oh man, because we don't have we don't have a bit party film without him. Yeah, it's not allowed. Marshall, do you have an idea for uh, Jeff Goldblum in this film? I think could he be like a like a dog show judge? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, I could see that definitely. Wearing like a very bright, uh, like a bright suit, kind of like yes. quirky. Exactly, yeah, that would be picturing. great. Big, big, like thick rim glasses and yeah. <laughs> hyper judgmental of like this old pug. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's so believable for Jeff Goldblum, too, that yeah. he's super into dog shows. Yeah, <laughs> Isn't it, that's though? not even a character. <laughs> we just want to see him being him. Uh, that's the thing. This is a good role. Pure, uncut Goldblum. <laughs> 20, 24 karat Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we also need to name this film. Connor, do you have a title for your, for your masterpiece? Ooh. Not off the top of my head, but... All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Um, How my dog became sterile thanks to Johnny. <laughs> thanks to Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah, that's a great... That might, that might be it. You know, short, it's pithy. I think that's yeah. going to look great. <laughs> it's going to look great on a movie poster. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a hook. Oh, yeah, because yeah. everybody's going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I want to see it. Who's what could Johnny? This possibly be about? <laughs> I like that Johnny's in the title, but not in any of the movie except for that. <laughs> How my dog became sterile thanks to Johnny. That's it. Part one. <laughs> Chapter one. Oh, I love it. What a story, Mark. Yeah, you can say that again. Okay, cool, cool. That will probably uh, lose a lot of money <laughs> until it hits cult status. Yes, because everybody yeah. knows that these films bomb in the box office, and then yeah. when the nerds pick them up, then they make millions and millions of dollars. Oh yeah! So Definitely. this is like a long-term investment. We will ask for four million dollars for this film up front. Up front, uh, we each get a million here. And uh, now, Connor, what we've learned in this industry is that if you get a million dollars, if you spend it as fast as possible, then you don't get taxed. Yeah, yeah. Right. You, you get to use the full million. Yeah, so that was a good loophole that we found. <laughs> and uh, we've been exploiting that for this whole season. <laughs> um, but the trick is really to to know ahead of time what you're going to spend your money on. Yeah, have it in the Amazon cart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know what, what my million is going to be spent on. Okay. Yeah. And this will this will sort of set the the scene for you, Connor, to to understand how how frivolous and ex- excessive you should be uh, using your money. Tommy Wiseau. Little little information about him. He uh, he finally admitted to being from Eastern Europe in 2017, uh-huh. which I think a lot of people had a feeling that that was the case. But he had always maintained that he grew up, born and raised in New Orleans. <laughs> One exceptional thing about this film 
the room is that it was funded entirely by by Tommy. Mm. And it ended up costing, for no apparent reason, $6 million. <laughs> you really see every penny go into that. It's often speculated how he made his fortune, but a component of it was that he had opened up a fashion store and was selling irregular denim jeans and uh, made a bunch of money that way and then accumulated some property and etc. But it all started with the denim. So he bought cheap jeans, sold them for a high cost. I'm not sure. It might have been like a collector's. Oh, I see. Like, like these different fashionable things. I'm not sure. Nobody really knows. But on the same vein of fashion and denim, I have looked into the most expensive jeans. I want fashion, but I also want comfort. And what I know about jeans is that the longer you have them, the more comfortable they are. So mm-hmm. I have found yep. original Levi Strauss jeans from 1901. Wow. Yep. OG Levi's. Those have been through a lot. Yeah. And they they are priced at 60 grand per jean. <laughs> so I'm getting 16 of them, and that'll get me pretty close to a million dollars, and I'll have the most comfortable collection of jeans from uh, way Prospector back. Prospector days. <laughs> way, way before World War One. And, you know, just to round out the outfit, uh, because I'll have a little extra left over, I, I looked at this uh, really nice Tom Ford denim jacket, so I'd just be all full <laughs> denim. The uh, world's most expensive Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> yes, exactly. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> Brendan. Yes. What are you going to do with your million dollars? I would like to put my million back into the arts. Okay. And have aspiring filmmakers, much like Tommy Wiseau, send me their scripts so that I can decide which movie, which passion project to fund with my money. Nice. Now, it'll only be able to be a sixth as good as this movie, mm-hmm. but, um, but I, I want to give back to these people, and I think it would be funny to read through and find, like, the one with the highest entertainment value, much like the room. Give the people another room. Nice. I like it. Marshall, how, how are you going to use your million dollars? With my million... I would love a Tommy Wiseau acting course experience. Wow. wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll really make you a triple threat, Marsh. You'll have, right? you'll have podcasting, singing, and dramatic acting. <laughs> Lessons yeah. from Tommy Wiseau, yes. I see you studied at the Tommy Wiseau School of Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Wiseau is pretty rich. I hope that he uh, will be a... It'll probably get you a couple hours at the very least. Yeah, you're going to have to learn fast. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Got it. that's true. Speed course. But, okay, I love that. Marsh, great job. All righty. Connor, best for last. Let's hear how you're going to use that million. Uh, I took a little inspiration from The Room, and I think I would like to, just like the XFL, I would like to make my own uh, football league. So I'd fund my own football league, but everyone would have to wear tuxedos. Uh, yeah just like in the room love it Uh, Mm -hmm. you'd also have to play in weird alleys parking lots you know there would really be some variation as to the field of play Uh, but the most important thing is that you wear tuxedos um and you just stand in a circle you just play football underhanded Uh, (laughs) yeah i was gonna say throwing correctly is strictly off limits no you just kind of toss it it doesn't really matter (laughs) there's not really any rules but mm-hmm. you have to wear a tuxedo, and we're going to film it, and we're going to put it on ESPN 10, and I'm going to be the commissioner, and I'm going to have the nicest tuxedo, of course. <laughs> and that's my plan. It's going to make millions. 
It's an I believe invest- I would watch that. It's an investment, it. really. Sounds great. Oh yeah, yeah, really good. That is a, that's a quality investment right there. Yeah, and you've got the background in football to really make this happen. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And and you look great in a tuxedo. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely have worn a tuxedo before, so <laughs> that's true. This was a really fun guest episode, Connor. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Today. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I've never yeah. been on a podcast before, but it, 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 it seems tell. fine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems fine. <laughs> yeah, you did an, did an awesome job. Yeah, you did excellent. You're welcome back anytime on uh, on Bit Party. Just just suggest a better movie, maybe. Like, please, God, please. <laughs> fine. The Final Fantasy movie. It is. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm is not frozen an in anime. <laughs> We're going to watch my favorite anime, Corey's in the House. <laughs> We're going to really explore what is an anime. <laughs> Brendan, for the love of God, please <laughs> sign us off. Thank you all for listening. For a bit party in the Cotta Brothers, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. I'm Marshall Cotta. And I'm Connor Cotta. And keep your eyes peeled. For How My Dog Became Sterile Thanks to Johnny, coming to a theater near you. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, check us out now on Spotify, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at BitPartyPod. If you'd like to send us an email, we're BitPartyPod at gmail.com. BitParty now has t-shirts available. Just go on Amazon and search Cotta Brothers to grab yours now. This episode is produced by the very talented T. Coop. You can check out his music on Spotify or on his website. Just go to tcoopmia.com. That's T-C-O-O-P-M-I-A dot com. Tune in next time when we meet our other mother. Until then, we're the Cotter Brothers, and this has been Bit Party. Our ode to the bit parts that stole our hearts.